This podcast from Teacher is supported by MacKillop Seasons, whose Seasons for Life project supports schools with loss and grief following a suicide and other loss event. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Teacher. I'm Dominique Russell. We know from the research that highly effective schools apply their resources, such as staff and school time, expertise and facilities, in a targeted manner to maximise outcomes for students. For instance, resources are prioritised towards evidence-informed strategies aimed at improving student outcomes. Leaders are making the best possible use of available expertise to meet student needs and a flexible approach is taken with resource deployment. In this episode of School Improvement, I'm joined by Belinda Norrie and Jacqueline Hampson. Belinda is the relieving deputy principal at Narrabeen North Public School, a primary school in North Narrabeen, which is a beachside suburb in Northern Sydney. Jacqueline is head teacher secondary studies over at Narrabeen Sports High School. Both schools are members of the NEST Collaboration, where NEST stands for Narrabeen Eleonora Student and Teacher. NEST also includes two other local schools, Narrabeen Lakes Public School and Eleonora Heights Public School. For the past few years, staff and students in the three primary and one secondary school have been sharing facilities to enhance learning opportunities and fostering relationships between staff. In this episode, Belinda and Jacqueline share how the collaboration began, why it extends across K-12, and their advice for other school communities looking to collaborate in a similar way in the future. A quick note on terminology before we jump into the episode. You'll hear Belinda refer to HBGE, which stands for High Potential and Gifted Education, the DEL, or D-E-L, which is the Director Education Leadership, APC&I, which stands for Assistant Principal Curriculum and Instruction. SLSO is Student Learning and Support Officer. And SIP, which stands for School Improvement Plan. Let's jump in. Thank you so much, Jacqueline and Belinda, for joining us on this podcast episode. It's great to be able to chat with you about such a fantastic collaboration. It's really, really exciting. I thought just to kick things off, though, it would be great if we could get an introduction to both of you and also your roles at the moment. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Hampson and I am the head teacher of secondary studies at Narrabeen Sports High School. And yeah, I'm Belinda Norrie, Bell Norrie. I have been um, working between the high schools and the primary schools. My background's in primary education though, and I'm currently um, relieving deputy principal at Narrabeen North Public School. Fantastic. And so today we're obviously talking about NEST, which is the Narrabeen Eleonora Student and Teacher Collaboration. Can you tell me a little bit about each of your school contexts then before we get into the NEST collaboration itself? And can you also share with me a little bit about the school context of the other two schools that are involved in the collaboration too? Yeah, sure. Um, So we have four schools that are involved. Um, So the school I'm currently in is Narrabeen North Public School. So we're based on Sydney's Northern Beaches um, in North Narrabeen. All the four schools are within about 5Ks of each other. Narrabeen North and Narrabeen Sports are literally across the road from each other. Um, And that will become a little bit more clear later on as to where this all came from. Um, So we've got about 700 students. We're just a, a 
comprehensive mainstream um, public primary school for the Department of Education. Jack, do you want to talk a little bit about Narrabeen Sports? Uh, Narrabeen is a comprehensive um, public high school, but we also have a sports academy as well for that. So um, we have approximately a thousand students at our school. And the other two primary schools um, are Eleanora Heights Public School. They've got about 440 students. Um, They're up the hill, um, not far away. Uh, Again, another government public school for New South Wales Department of Education. And Narrabeen Lakes Public School has about 420 students. And their proximity to the beach and to our beautiful Narrabeen Lake um, is something that's unique for them as well. But they're really, they're, they're a school that's growing and they're a really beautiful little um, public primary school as well. So can you tell me about why Nest came about? Yeah, I can. Um, so the Nest collab, it originated originally between Narrabeen Sports High and Narrabeen North Public School. So the two schools, there's, they're literally opposite each other. They share boundary fences and there is one road in and one road out um basically they just they we cross the road to them so it started the two principals at the time um it was probably i don't know three or four years ago now that they worked together to say well what can we do we're right here together how can we actually be strengthening this and probably with the idea of transition um practices was the original thought i believe so they then pulled some money and they employed a middle what they called a middle school deputy principal Um, who is now actually the principal of Eleanora Heights Public School. So you can start to see how the the connections are are starting to form here. And these three people, they work together really closely to start getting professional learning in place that the schools were sharing, um, writing programs, units of work together, starting to look at how stage four teachers and stage three teachers could collaborate so that students... um, and it all comes back to opportunities for students and great outcomes for students. Every single thing we do, that's where it's landing. So when they were starting to put together things like understanding how each other's classrooms work, understanding how scope and sequences look and may look different between a primary and a high school so that teachers were knowing their learners that were coming through, um, that, that, that was kind of the origins of it. It then grew as, so as Lisa, the principal of Eleanora Heights, when she became principal of Eleanora Heights. Um, and then we had a, another person step in who is now the principal of Narrabeen North Public School. Um, the four schools then started to work together and they invited, I believe they invited um, Narrabeen Lakes to be part of it. So, that, because they're all direct feeder schools into Narrabeen Sports High. So from there, um, they then went, well, we now need another um, middle school's deputy principal, basically. And they then pulled their monies and they employed me um, as the, the NEST deputy principal. But at the time, it wasn't called the NEST. That was part of the, the role was to come up with something that was going to be inclusive of, of the four schools and their, their unique environments as well, while maintaining the individuality of each school because it's we haven't combined schools or anything like that. Like we're not we're not doing what other areas may have looked at where they've tried to have four schools into one type of thing. That's not it. They've got their own individual identities, but we're trying to use the strengths of each school to be better together. Is as kind of I guess the ethos behind it. So Narrabeen Lakes, Eleanor Heights, Narrabeen North, and Narrabeen Sports came together. The four principals um, of those schools to develop this idea of what it would look like if we were together to perform a K to 12 learning pathway from each of those primary schools up into the high school. We wanted kids 
and families to want to go to their local public high school. It's a great high school. There are so many opportunities there. But we're also in an area where there are a lot of private schools, there's a lot of independent schools, and kids are getting on buses to drive straight past their local high school to go to a private one. Now, this isn't a a public versus private debate at all. This is around making sure that our local community have a really great understanding of the opportunities that are in front of them and they don't have to travel a long way or pay lots of fees to be able to access a brilliant education. And they've also got the sports high school. So that's kind of where it originated. I came on board in term four of 2021 and spent pretty much all of term four, and this was at the very end of COVID um, lockdowns as well. Um, So spent that end of 2021 and the beginning of 2022 really trying to understand each of the contexts. And that was kind of the task that was handed to me by the principals to say, and the, the Dell, our director, was really involved in this as well. Um, this is what we like. Let's have a look at what opportunities exist. What are we already doing well in our individual schools? How can we leverage what already works to be better together and to provide that really strong learning pathway from K to 12? So when you start in kindergarten from what, in one of these primary schools, you as a student know that you're gonna finish in year 12 at the high school. You're already familiar with the teachers, you know the programs, you know the opportunities, you've already visited the high school multiple times. It's not just a, you know, end of year six, go for a visit on the designated day. The idea is to be really building that strong, strong learning pathway and connection because there's things that we can do with that that you can't do just as a primary school or you can't do just as a high school and kind of blowing open the myths around what might be happening on each other side of the fence. There are so many different opportunities that we have through the nest that uh, we're really excited to share. So one of the best facets, I guess, is all of the really innovative projects that have come about, come to light, such as our enrichment programs that really help to um, take that learning beyond the traditional classroom um, and to really enrich and extend our students in the learning. So for instance, we had a Cracking the Case initiative that we've just been running um, over the last term. And then that sees year five students from, that have been nominated from each of the primary schools to participate in compacted curriculum and extended learning outcomes. So currently our Cracking the Case students have been learning on site at Narrabeen Sports High School. So they didn't have access to those lab facilities. And that happens for 90 minutes a week where they're solving a mystery crime and learning the art of observation and critical thinking, problem solving through things like DNA extractions, fingerprint analysis. Um, they go through and do brain sheep, uh, the sheep brain dissection, <laughs> sorry, and look at the neuroscience behind the different facets that can um, impact an investigation. So we have um, a teacher from the, the high school that leads that and um, has really use some of the um, stage four and five outcomes that are really going to help the stage three learners um, as they come across and they can um, combine with the other primary school students with that. We have our hatchery project, which is our um, our year three students from uh, the, the three primary schools. Uh, and that kicks off tomorrow. We uh, They have a chance to collaborate on site this time at Eleonora um, Heights Primary School. And that's in collaboration with Taronga Zoo. 
And it's a STEM-based challenge and they build Rube Goldberg machines so that they can help feed the animals and um, without the, the need for human interaction. And so they're really um, producing some really innovative and authentic um, problem-based learning where the kids are really immersed in it, which we wouldn't be able to do without the collaboration between those primary schools and the high school. Our year five enrichment students are now undertaking a flying through time course and they're doing a deep dive into ancient Roman history and that's in conjunction with um, Macquarie University. So we're also looking at other um, partnerships to really bring in um, those experts in the field, really make it engaging and something that the students want to be a part of and that they just really foster that love of learning. And they get to really showcase as well the diverse and dynamic nature of that collaborative learning between those students. They get to know and become familiar with other students from other primary schools and also break down some of the, um, I guess, scariness of the high school. And so they come across and they um, interact with some of our year 10 students that sometimes are a part of the process as well. So it's really, it's a really engaging and really awesome um, projects that we have running. I think, Jack, if I can jump in there, yeah. I think um, one of the things that's been really successful here has, uh, we, we started looking in that high potential gifted education space because it was a space that everyone had identified they wanted to improve. But where it has then branched out to is providing opportunities across the board. So for students who have a real tilt in sport, um, you know, the, the access to some of the programs at the sports academy we've started to grow like some of those things are in their infancy at the moment but we're starting to find those opportunities to connect our um our band program where we had a combined band and we had over 90 students like that that wouldn't be possible in some of our smaller primary schools to Mm -hmm. create that big band sound and to have expert Mm -hmm. tuition so it's not just sort of that academic hpge side of things it's really the social emotional yeah. um, we have our SRC leaders so we have leaders from the high school that have yeah. come over and actually been part of the SRC induction with the primary schools as well and fostering and actually helping run their assemblies as well so not only are the primary schools benefiting from this but the high school students have also partaken in um, avenues where they can really develop their leadership skills and um help them out with their journey where they are in the, in the high school development yeah. as well. I think that's really important. I think it's really important for us to call out as well that while we seem to be talking a lot about the HPG space, what we do know and what we know the research tells us is what's good for, for students who are identified in that HPG space, the practices that go behind that and the professional learning for, for our colleagues that goes behind that is actually great for all kids. Mm-hmm. So we are making sure that, yes, we've got these these opportunities that are tick- ticking along here, but that's starting to feed back into some of the ways that teachers are doing things within the classroom with their own kids and opportunities to explore and connect with colleagues um, around that best practice for all kids. So I don't, I don't want your listeners to think that this is just a, a HPG project. We, we talk a little bit about, probably more about some of the initiatives we've done in that space because they're the ones that are a little bit more grounded in and have a bit more, a few more runs on the board, I guess. But what's coming from there um, is a branch out into some of the other spaces that are not HPG specific. One of the biggest spaces as well that has been really successful is in the wellbeing and transition space. Yeah. So we've met up with key 
personnel from each of the schools. So we have deputy principals from over at Narrabeen Sports High School, the head teacher wellbeing, um, head teacher secondary studies. So myself comes over to this, the deputies from the primary schools, um, the year six teachers and the year seven teachers from over at the high school, they come together and they discuss the students that will be coming across. So we discuss all of the different things if they're in need of uh, extra learning support, if there's, um, you know, cases of wellbeing that we need to be across, we already have that information. And so we can really set up the, the successful pathways for them to transition across and know what's best for those individual students. Can so, I can I add yeah. to that too, Jack, that I, th- I think those type of practices would be, your listeners would be going, oh yeah, that probably happens in our, in our high schools, you know, that they would normally contact. I think what we've seen here is that the teachers now know each other. It's not a person on the other end of an email. It is, it is not just a phone call and we have to go through a process. The teachers are actually becoming very familiar with each other. So when, when one of my year six teachers here at Narrabeen North says, who's the best person to get in contact with to discuss blah, blah, you know, X, Y, Z, where I would say, right, you need to speak to this person, this person, this person over at the high school, they'll be able to, you know, talk about um, what opportunities are available for that student. doesn't matter whether they're in a learning support space or whether they're, you know, mid-range, middle-of-the-road, standard, you know, student or one of our enrichment students that have been identified for extension. The teachers are able to pick up the phone and actually say, hi, Jacqueline, for example, you know how we've got so-and-so coming across. There's a genuine connection there now between our, our staff. It's not a mystery as to who you're going to be speaking to. That has been one of the powerful things, yeah. I believe, of the... I agree. Of and the- also just breaking down the communication between those teachers as well. So often you do work in a bit of silos, especially the primary schools and the high school and everything. So we know the programs that we're running and the primary schools are definitely running programs. As we said, the schools are individual and they they have their own programs that they run and everything. But actually realizing how similar we are in in different ways and um, how we all have the same goals and same purpose and that we wanna support our students. And so when we start to collaborate and we start to communicate with each other we start to break down those barriers of just okay so how is the what's the primary school doing here oh what can we also do that that's working that perhaps we can um really extend or um spend more time on to transition them over to the high school and vice versa or um what are some important things that perhaps the parents um would like to know um that uh, that, that, that the high school can provide that information to those primary schools so that they, they can have those conversations with the year six parents um, and answer any of their, those questions as well. So things like that have come out of those, those meetings that we have with the, with the different various teams that we have in the nest. Um, and those have been really powerful for not only, I think, the, the, the students because they've been um, better supported. Our teachers have a uh, a better communication pathway and link between each of the schools, but also our parents feel more connected and they feel like they know what's going on and it helps to alleviate any anxieties that they might have as well. And so that was a question that I was just about to to ask you about whether the teacher collaboration comes about through explicit meetings and you've just said that there are some teacher meetings that occur or whether it's kind of just a natural built-in element to the program that you just collaborate because that's just how you how you work in this way. So can you tell me a little bit more about 
what it looks like for the teacher end and how you are able to keep up such constant communication and build such close relationships with each other. I'll attempt to answer that with a caveat at the beginning, saying that this project has, it's really in its early stages. So when you are looking for an impact of something, we're, we're looking for, you know, a three to five year um, growth. And so we've had to go through some iterations of this. It hasn't been, um, no, nothing is ever, you know, first go, well, it's all just, you know, everyone's collaborating and working together. That's, I, I don't want your listeners to think that we're just living in a bit of a panacea, I guess. <laughs> um, we, it started with a lot of listening and it started with trying to understand what teachers, so the, the people at the coalface wanted to actually see in a project such as this. And as you will find in every environment, you've got your people who jump straight on board who are like, this is the best thing ever. I can't wait to be involved, you know, give me all the things. Through to those that are going, you know, we're living through a teacher shortage crisis, right? So I've got enough on my plate. This is another thing. I just can't see my way clear to be part of this at the moment. And our answer to both ends of that spectrum was that is really great and that is fine. It is okay to be involved and it is okay to take a step back because you need we, we need people to that want to be involved to have the enough rope to be able to do so, but we don't want a project such as this to burn out teachers as well. So the involvement and the collaboration started with, it's, it's opt-in. If you want to be involved, you're involved. Here are the opportunities to be involved. And the initiative teams that came out of that came from the interest. It came from running lots of surveys, finding out where people wanted to actually see um, themselves, what was going to make an impact for kids. That's always coming back to um, what is important for us. And we wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to be lots and lots of extra time on top of what they were already doing. Um, we, we know that as soon as it becomes on top of, you lose people like you they will just go this isn't something i can do so in the in the initial stages we bought lots of time the principals really invested in this they bought professional learning time in primary schools we've got um, regular meetings professional learning meetings after school high schools look a little bit different they still have them but they're scheduled differently we had to do things such as aligning our professional learning schedules having as so that people then had Bought, I say bought time in inverted commas because they needed, I think, to feel that their time was valued and that this was going to be something that was embedded into what we're doing and was going to be seen as valuable ongoingly by buying time. And that, I think, has a lot of impact for people. From there, the collaboration between the teachers evolved. They had to meet each other to start with. I remember the very first meeting that we had, we put anyone who was interested we then filled out lots of surveys and we knew kind of the areas and the teams they wanted to be involved with. Um, we put them all in one room and we basically just introduced them to each other and went, get to know each other. You know, you we work in such close proximity. They they call they don't call us the Insular Peninsula for nothing up here <laughs> on the northern beaches because we would be familiar, I guess, with who each other might be. We would be familiar with the schools, but the faces within the school and the people that are making the things happen we probably wouldn't have had that information so deeply to start with. I mean, Narrabeen, North and Narrabeen Sports, yes, to a degree, because the project had already had a, had some legs in the early years. 
Um, but certainly not Eleanor or Heights or Narrabeen Lakes. So there wasn't that connection. So I remember that first meeting really clearly and the chatter that was in the room, if I could have bottled and sold the excitement and the energy. Yeah, we it was be, really exciting. We would be really rich because mm-hmm. people went, they just had so many ideas and we were using some some like some clarity tools, I guess, some of Simon Breakspear's work um, to help narrow down because what people do when they get excited about something is we just say put every big idea on the table. The sky is the limit at this point. What would you like to achieve? And let's then work back from there. We tried not to put a limit on the enthusiasm and the creativity so that we could then align where the commonalities were, what were going to be the big ticket ideas, what were going to be the things that could really see a good impact in a short amount of time to start with so that we could keep building on that excitement. What's happened over the last couple of years, uh, probably the last 12 months or so, the initiatives, which, and this is this is just natural, right? Natural attrition. The, in, the initiatives that didn't have a lot of teeth or a lot of skin in the game, I guess, were the ones that naturally kind of took a back seat. That's not to say that t- the teachers involved aren't still interested and aren't still passionate. But the energies had to go more into the things that were going to make an impact. That were gaining traction. And, and that were getting yeah. traction, yeah. That said, we combined, we had a really great um, big long twilight session mm-hmm. um, with the three primary schools yep. that was done via Zoom. Even though we're close to each other, trying to fit 400 people into one space can be difficult across our, across our staff. That's probably about how many staff would be yeah. across the four schools. So we really had to make sure that we had um, leveraged technology to, to our best friend. And it allowed us to explain to staff who perhaps hadn't been involved in what was actually going on behind the scenes. And I remember that that PL as well, that was this year, yep. which was really people came away from there going, oh, I didn't realise that this is what had been going on. So when someone like, um, oh, you might have heard of Stephen Dinham um, from Melbourne Uni, he talks about, you know, get on the bus, right? You, we get on the bus and we get going and we make things happen and, you know, those will either get on or they won't. But we needed to illuminate everyone as to what was actually going on and then that excitement ramped up again when we were able to share again what was going on, how teams were collaborating. And I think the most powerful part of that was seeing there were people from across each of those schools. That and they were, were presenting. They were presenting. It wasn't the <coughs> Belle and Jackie no. show. It wasn't the principals. Um, it was the people on the ground who had got their teeth into something and were really seeing what what could be possible with this. Yeah, and I think that that is where we actually showcased the the passion and the dedication of those those teachers and the different groups. So from the the collaboration and the PL and the professional learning that we, they have done to talk about, you know, um, going narrow and deep and the why of why we should be collaborating and all of this, um, seeing the impact of that and seeing uh, these individual teachers and groups of teachers running with something, having success with it, and just the smiles on their faces as they're showcasing what they've done, that was really awesome for all of the schools to really realise that this is happening and to congratulate those staff members for their passion and for um, really just making school a better place. So that is, yeah, that was really powerful to be a part of that and to come away from that and, yeah, so just putting a face to the names as well. So um, you often hear of these names but you don't actually get to really see them. So, yeah, it it was awesome. 
You're listening to a podcast from Teacher Magazine, supported by MacKillop Seasons, whose Seasons for Life project supports young people affected by suicide and other loss events throughout Australia. Free for Australian high schools and based on the strong evidence base of the Seasons for Growth, Change, Loss and Grief education programmes, the Seasons for Life project builds well-being, resilience, social and emotional coping skills and strengthens supportive relationships. And so just while we're talking about the staff collaboration specifically and to pick you up on something that you said just earlier, Belinda, I wanted to know if this collaboration, is it helping at all? With it? Are you guys experiencing a teacher shortage in, in your area? And is this partnership, can you, or could you see it in the future being of benefit to uh, facilitating any staffing needs? Or is that kind of something quite separate still? Um, look, I think... I'd love to be able to say yes. I'd love to be able to say a resounding yes, but I can't because each of the schools is suffering against their own teacher shortage. Like a high school teacher shortage looks a bit different to a, to a primary school teacher shortage. What I what I can say is that we have been able to lean on each other um, and share some some stuff. So I've got a couple of examples where our SLSOs. Yep. Um, so we were having so we might have a teacher shortage, shortage, but actually our support staff are really important as well. And we were having shortage of support staff and we were able to connect with the high school and have them share some um, some great SLSOs with us so that we have students who will be familiar with an SLSO when they go to the high school. Again, that support looks a little bit different in high school as what does to primary. But we were able to tap into some of the resources that the high school have to be able to have... We had a... We inherited a couple of really great SLSOs that came and worked in our primary setting. That was really powerful. Um, We have also been able to support what we call a staff movement as well. So we had a teacher from uh, one of the primary schools who had been in that primary school for a little while, was really keen for a new experience. The principal of that primary school spoke to the principal of this primary school and they said, well, actually, I've got an opportunity here. We have a year six space, teacher space. So that teacher did a staff movement to our school and was able to broaden his experience because it is, while we are very close to each other, the three primary schools are very, they're very different in their context, I guess, um, the experiences that you would have in each of those schools. So at Narrabeen North with over, over 700 students, our environment looks a lot different to what Narrabeen Lakes would. And so he was able to, that teacher was able to come across and he's been part of the team this year here and has, I was just talking to him yesterday about the experience he's had and how grateful he's been for that experience to broaden his horizons, to know what it is to be in a small school, to come into a bigger school and his own professional growth has been huge. I think the other way where the teacher shortage, um, where we've probably leveraged that again, is through our APC and I's. Um, so the three APC and I's from the three primary schools, and this is again a probably a little more primary specific than high school, but it's where we have used the nest to our advantage to go. Not everything is going to apply to everyone within the nest all yep. the time. Let's not do things for the sake of doing things. Let's make them really purposeful. So our APC and I's have actually collaborated around the new curriculum and work together to produce um, learning that looks a little bit similar across the three schools, but then contextualise, shared their knowledge and understanding. One of the PL sessions that we did had the three primary schools divvy up into their stage groups 
and then go and do professional learning with one of the APCNIs from each of those primary schools so they could actually collaborate with their stage three or their stage two or their early stage one, stage one colleagues, where in, in a small school, there might only be two or three of you in a, in a stage. In a school such as Narrabeen North, there's a lot more of us. Put us all together. They're now sharing experiences across the board. So that was a really powerful way of using what we have without having to bring in lots of other experts that aren't... Are we using the expertise that we have within the school and not having to send out for it, which we also know makes a really, really big impact, like is that that teacher, ingrained teacher knowledge. Um, so while no, to answer your question more succinctly, I wouldn't say we have had a big impact around the teacher shortage crisis. Shortage, I think that is just so widespread across the board, but I think we've been able to be smart about how we have identified what we're doing within our own schools to lean into that space first before having to go external, pay money for it to bring in big, big fancy expert in. We've been able to really leverage the people that we have and value the people that we have because that has been probably one of the biggest myth busting is, yeah. is knowing that within the three primary schools and the high school, we have phenomenal expertise. Have expertise and interest and passion. It's just... And yeah. some of the... Um, the feedback from those professional learnings that we've done have just been overwhelmingly positive and um, where they've really seen the benefit of that because they can see practical, instant ways to to impact and to uh, improve their own teaching and learning in their own classrooms from having those um, teacher mentors from across the schools, um, different areas where just naturally someone is, uh, that, that they know a little bit more in that area and so they can share that. It's just that that's really been helpful and that's been um, a really big, huge positive for a lot of our staff. So for teachers and school leaders who are listening to this episode who are thinking that something like this could be really impactful in their own community, do you have any words of advice or any top tips for them for getting started? I think we do. We've we've learned a lot um, over the last couple of years. So uh, we've got some probably some key thoughts around if someone wanted to get started on something like this is to one, start small. Um, it can be really easy to get very, very excited and to see every opportunity as an opportunity and to make sure that we come back to what is going to make a difference, what is going to be sustainable in the long term as well there's um, been a lot of revisions i guess yeah. um, a lot of rapid action plans through professional learning and coming together and meeting and prioritizing and then um taking the 20 different ideas and then filing them down to maybe three and and going with that so making sure that it's not just everything it's actually picking what's going to have the biggest impact and what's going to get the traction as well, which is... so Yeah, and making sure that it is um, evidence-informed as well. Yeah. So we're, we're not going with a gut feel. We're not going with, we think it'd be nice. We're going back to what was the um, what was the grounding that, that started. Something I haven't mentioned that I'd like to is the research that we used to get this started. And so we used the research of deep learning from Michael Full and Joanne Quinn and Joanne McEachin. And there is a coherent framework in that that looks at focusing direction, cultivating collaborative cultures, deepening learning and securing accountability. So when we were getting this started, those four powerhouses of the coherence framework is what we kept coming back to. 
is this focused? Are we actually developing a collaborative culture with this? Are we deepening learning for students and teachers? And how do we know that we're having an impact? How are we securing that accountability to make sure that we are making the hard decisions about what is going to stick and why? Um, that has been our, our grounding, I guess, is to keep coming back into that research. And we've, we've quoted probably um, a few different people over the courses that have had an impact on this, but Simon Breaksby's work again, that narrow and deep, go into this, you know, focus on one thing, do it well, let go of what's not working for you, review, reflect, go again. Um, the other thing that we probably really like to call out is that oh, I've mentioned it previously, but I really want to throw it, throw it out there with the by people in time. This project and this initiative would not happen without the principals um, and their commitment to it. So I, if this is okay, I would really like to call them out by name because, and the, and the Dell who was involved in this as well, because they provided funds, startup funds, they paid salaries of having a dedicated person off class. So that was my, my job initially was to be off class to focus on this. I didn't have other responsibilities within the school. They really invested in it and we wouldn't be this far down the track mm. with it if they hadn't invested in those people. And then when I stepped into this role, Jackie, we, we had to start diversifying the leadership as well to make it sustainable. Yeah. So Jackie took on part of it and we've had other leadership. So I really want to call out... Um, so Adam Hughes from Principal of Narrabeen North Public School, Lisa Phillips, the Principal of Eleanora Heights Public School, Rob Zappia, Principal of Narrabeen Lakes Public School, Heidi Curry, uh, Principal of Narrabeen Sports High School, and um, Andrew Stevenson, who is our Director of Educational Leadership for the Pipwater Network. So that without their investment, money, time, resources, Letting us have our head as well. Yeah. Like, I think that the freedom to give Explore it a go. And yeah. Also celebrating in the successes. So when we have parent showcases um, and the students are showcasing what they've been learning about, the principals, all four of them are always there. Um, they're in, in invested in just as much as our teachers. They're, they they show themselves. They, they show up for our students. And um, that's been really, really um, positive so yeah. they, they know that they're interested in what they're what's what's happening and they know that it doesn't stop at the primary school gates it continues on and the the principals are part of that journey just as much as the teachers are I think that's it's a Jackie I think that's a really key example of that again I'm a bit of a research nerd I keep coming back to it because I know that's what is making an impact you know evidence in poor practice we know and the research tells us that when principals are involved we see bigger impacts i think that's some of patty's research and principal is a lead learner as sharrett's you know one of the parameters of sharrett's research as well and our principals lead by doing which by them doing that it allows us to do what we do and they have i i i don't want it to sound like i am you know being over the top with it but you get principals who can be micromanagers and they just want to control the whole lot. And these guys haven't done that. They have really allowed big ideas, big thoughts, thinking outside the box, funding where funding's needed to make this happen. Now, obviously, that then needs to take its own teeth. It needs to become sustainable. We need to have um, that priority still part. Like they've, they've written it all into their SIPs. It's, there's, a, there's a goal in there within this strategic improvement plan. 
for each of the primary schools. Yep. We're accountable to it. We have to, you know, make sure that we are continuing to make gains. But it's becoming, because of what they've allowed us to do, it's becoming part of what we do and it's part of the fabric of each of our schools as opposed to a, a, something that's just placed on top. It's not perfect. It's, you know, there, there are things that we are still working on and refining and doing again and dropping and, you know, adding and et cetera, et cetera. But as long as that review process is there, as long as the focus is there and it is a priority for principals and for schools and for the Dell, like to have the Dell support has been invaluable, then this will continue to be a success, success we believe. If the if we, as a, as a senior leadership team, I guess, take our foot off the pedal and go, well, this isn't important to us anymore, very quickly it'll fall away. So it has to remain a priority. The last thing um, I want to call out um, is not everyone will want in to start with, and this is okay. So I don't, if you're few listeners who are thinking this is okay, um, and they would like to have a go at doing something similar to this, I, I can't stress enough that it is okay to start small. It is okay to start with those that are interested and to grow it from there. I think the moment you make something like this compulsory to start with and you force people into something that isn't really their tilt, then it will just lose lose traction. I think that was some of the understandings yeah. that we had. Jackie, you can probably talk a little bit more from the high school experience from that. But primary schools, again, and high schools, they're, they're different base and different priorities and the way that we work is a little bit different. So we've had to find some of that middle ground. Yeah, and I think that by being more exposed and, be, and speaking to other staff members and whatnot, uh, it has actually gained, a lot of staff have gained confidence um, through that process as well. So ones that perhaps were initially a bit... Um, sceptical and, and didn't really know if they wanted to be a part of it or whatnot, they would come across and um, just be a part of conversations and from that they could really speak to each other, become each other's um, mentors for each other and grow their confidence that way as well. So it's not always going to be a immediate buy-in from all staff and nor should it be, but um, it gains traction and the more that we celebrate the successes and the more that we trust our colleagues and um, staff to follow their passions and um, follow their ideas and um, yeah, find, find ways to make it all happen and, and build that together. So it's really creating that holistic shared vision for education across the schools. And if I, I know I said one more thing, but I have one more thing. <laughs> um, the other, the final point, final, final point, I promise, is look at what already exists within your schools. Um, we conducted a situational analysis at the very beginning of the project and we spent a lot of time, a lot of time talking with the stakeholders, the people who had to make the things happen in each school before we launched anything at all. We did tasks such as a SWOT analysis and even better if, sort out roadblocks and really tried to prepare for them before we got too far down this path. Listening to people was incredibly important because projects happen in schools all the time. There's always something new that happens. We got a little bit of, oh, well, you know, there's been, so we've seen this before, this has happened before, never, nothing ever happened. This will just die too. So we had to really face those head on and go, what didn't work last time? What didn't work the last time you tried to do a collaborative project with another school? So we could come around it at, from, from a different From a way. different perspective. Yeah, and that, that yeah. helped as well. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. Before I go, I have a quick favour to ask. Please take a few moments to hit follow on our podcast channel if you haven't already. 
It helps other people like you to find our podcast and it's a big support to the teacher team. We'll be back with a new episode very soon. You've been listening to a podcast from Teacher, supported by MacKillop Seasons, Seasons for Life, supporting schools and young people affected by suicide and other significant losses. Visit mckillopseasons.org.au.